I'm not going to belabor the time any longer. Uh, I would like to bring up to the podium um, someone who happens to be a superwoman in her own right. Uh, I could say a whole lot of good things about her, and she's always wearing something fabulous, but what's more important is that she is one of the smartest women in Chicago and Cook County government. I introduce to you all Commissioner Bridget Gaynor. Thank you. Um, can't sound good. You can just look good, so I'll be checking that box. So first of all, thank you for everyone to be here. It's great to be at the City Club. It's great to be back together. I really want to give Jackie, who's now the chairwoman of the City Club, a huge shout out um, because this is a wonderful thing for us to have in our city, and we couldn't do it without you and Dan Gibbons, who's the vice chair. So we're you know back on track in so many ways. We also have a Phenomenal list of elected officials and other dignitaries here. I am going to run through the list and then we'll do applause at the end because there's quite a crew. Um, Alderman Stephanie Coleman is here. Um, over here. Mayor Chris Clark. Allison Henson with the Illinois Medical District, the executive director. Samir Mayakar, who's the deputy mayor. Um, Alderman Jason Irvin is here. Alderman Gil Villegas is here. Karen Yarbrough, who I will address later, who is our clerk, but really was one of the first people to ever think about the idea of a land bank. Firefighters Local 2, President James Tracy. Mayor Roy Hoskins from Forest Park. Alderman Rodriguez, Pastor Chris Harris of the Bright Star Foundation, Alderman Stephanie, oh, Stephanie got two readings, um, Rich Minocchio, who has the Cook County um, Housing Authority, and Dilla Sherman is here, who most of you know from Twitter, but is exciting and is actually raising money for a bus, so there we go, exciting celebrity in our midst. Um, and then we also have an alderman, a candidate, Cornell Densler, who is a retired firefighter and running on the south side. So thank you all for being here. Is there anyone that I missed? Well, thank you all for coming. I really appreciate it. Um, I have a the, the very and retired and actually former alderman Latasha Thomas is here as well. Thank you. So um, I have the best job today, which is to introduce Eleanor Gorski. Um, Eleanor Gorski is the new head of the Cook County Land Bank. Not so new, a little, a little, a couple months, and she comes with an incredible set of experiences and work experience, life experience, and couldn't come at a better time to do the work of the Cook County Land Bank. So, and many of you know Eleanor from when she was over at the city. She was the Department of Planning in a variety of roles, landmarks for a long time, and had a deep expertise and love for um, preserving buildings. This is not a love we share, but we are working it out together. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, but we, uh, you know, she was got up to be the deputy commissioner of the planning department. But really, the interesting thing about Eleanor, outside of her incredible temperament and wonderful relationships and the trust that she manages to build up is that she has worked on some of the most seminal developments in our city. She'll talk more about them as well, but Sterling Bay, the Obama Library, incredible developments, and she is bringing all of that expertise, all of those relationships, and everything to bear to take that same level of focus and impact to neighborhoods all throughout Chicago. And as you, you know, when I first met her, we started talking about her history, and she actually was a history major and, and is also an architect. And knowing a lot about history, helps you when you want to run the Cook County Land Bank because we are a product of the history of Chicago. Some of it good and some of it less so. Um, we started about 10 years ago after the financial crisis and there was an enormous number of vacant buildings. And what we realized, and I wish Michelle, Alderman Michelle Harris, who was so instrumental to starting the land bank also, what we realized is those houses, many of them remained vacant, not because there was no market for them or not because someone couldn't redevelop them, but because 
they were stuck in a court process and a legal process of our own making that made it impossible to get out. And so you would see vacant houses on blocks and wonder why those weren't being redeveloped. And it was because it was impossible for people to get their hands on them. And that you know, one vacant house on a, on a block brings down the rest of the houses, the property value by over 7%. But it does more than that. It's a danger. There's crime that happens in there. It becomes a danger for fire. And we end up in this scenario where we let certain parts of our community just kind of flounder because we haven't taken the steps we need to take to fix when the market is broken. And we find ourselves actually in a really, you know, kind of similar sense now, which is, you know, the land bank's goal is to reduce the amount of vacant property and to redevelop it and to redevelop it with local developers. And I'm going to ask actually all of our developers who are here, if you guys could stand up, if you've developed a house with the Cook County Land Bank. Yep. So there are over there are over 600 small developers, the vast majority of whom are black or Latino, but more importantly, the vast majority of whom are from here, live here, and know our communities, and so they are best able to redevelop. And now we find ourselves in an opportunity to both take on this challenge um, to go further, continue to redevelop, and really revitalize communities. And Eleanor is going to come up and talk to you about what we're doing now and our vision. But the one thing that I, if I can leave you with, is we have an incredible opportunity to change the way that our entire system around property taxes is developed. And I won't bore you to tears because I could go on for very, very long about this topic of the scavenger sale because it's something I care a lot about. But, you know, if you don't pay your taxes, you know, they get sold or things like that. If you don't pay them for several years, they get dumped into what's called a scavenger sale. And Eleanor is going to talk more about that later also. But there's about 30,000 properties in the scavenger sale, but about 85% of them are in black neighborhoods. And they get stuck there because the taxes and the fees and the fines end up being more than it would cost to buy and rehab the building. And so we let it sit there. And this has gone on for decades without one change. And, you know, when people are late with their taxes in other communities, if the property values are higher, the market works and the property's back on the books. Um, it doesn't work that way sometimes in communities where the property value is lower. But the fact that we let it sit there and we let housing remain vacant year after year after year is unconscionable because it creates an, a completely different impression of a neighborhood and nobody wants to live next to a vacant house. And so our goal, as much as we've, you know, we started going into the scavenger sale in 2015 and we made a, you know, big grab for property, probably more than ever had ever been seen before. Of the 30,000 properties, only about 100 ever left the sale and went out back into the market. And for us, you can see that there are now thousands. We just completed our thousandth rehab about a month ago. So there is a, yep. So we're about to begin you know, a, a really comprehensive effort that will take place both at the county but also in Springfield to completely change the way that we treat buildings that are stuck there because it is unacceptable to leave somebody to be kind of a hostage in a community and in a neighborhood next to vacant housing when they can't, when they could easily be rehabbed and redeveloped. And so we're really excited that you're here today to hear about this. If you ever want to talk about the subject again, you can call me because I'll talk to anyone about it. Um, but right now, I have the great pleasure of introducing Eleanor Gorski. Thank you. Um, I'm so pleased to be here. 
as well as sharing the stage with not just the chair of my board, Bridget Gaynor. You can hear the passion in her voice, and that is a large part of why you see me here before you is her commitment to this, and it's been a long-term commitment, and without her, the Land Bank wouldn't be where it is today, but also Benita Harrison, that who is a developer with the uh, Cook County Land Bank. She's one of our local developers, and... Um, I'm going to invite her up to talk a little bit about what it is like to work um, with the land bank and to develop in the neighborhoods. But before I go into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about my background and why I'm here before you today and how we are taking the land bank in a direction to greatly expand the work that we do. So my work in Chicago started in the neighborhoods. Um, where I was director of the uh, Commission on Chicago Landmarks for many years, and I was grateful for that opportunity. I was a young architect working in all the neighborhoods in Chicago on landmark projects as well as bigger projects that were on neighborhood commercial corridors. And I loved that work, and I got to learn a lot about the city when I was doing that. Then I uh, moved into bigger projects, repositioning some of the uh, Class B and C office buildings downtown in the Loop, as well as working on Wrigley Field, which was a five-year turned into six-year project. Um, I learned more than I ever want to know about baseball and stadia. So. <laughs> but it was an awesome project. It was so fun to do that. After that, I became head of planning and design for the city at the Department of Planning and Development and crafting original plans for full to market, including the design guidelines for that area surrounding a landmark district with new development to support that. And I did this with my colleagues at DPD, many of which are here today, I'm happy to say, but I especially want to get a shout out to Kathy Dickett and Patrick Murphy, who is now the zoning administrator and is still working on these projects in the city. I also um, ended my career at the city working on the Obama Library and the repositioning of some of the industrial quarters around the city. That's what you see on the map before you, as well as the inception of Invest Southwest with Mayor Lightfoot. Um, so all of the work that I'm introducing you here today and my background, I consider this all in helping the city forward and in city building. And it is this experience and the success of these projects that I want to bring to bear at the Cook County Land Bank and to really tackle this uh, huge problem that Bridget described of vacant buildings and land throughout the county. And this is a map showing all the activity of the Cook County Land Bank since its inception in 2013. And you can see we basically cover the county. What you see are the red and blue dots signifying land we still have and then the um, projects that we have completed. And I want to give you a comparison, again, because we have a lot of developers in the room, that the amount of vacant land that the Cook County Land Bank owns now, and it's not even the land that's in process, is, um, let me look at the number, 138 acres throughout Cook County. 92 of those are within the city of Chicago. And what that equals is two Lincoln Yards developments. What that says to me, coming from my background, I'm sure it says much the same to you, is that it's all untapped potential. 
that's just vacant land. That doesn't include the buildings, the houses that Commissioner Gaynor spoke about. And the vacant land is one thing. We can land bank that and assemble it. The houses and buildings are another. That is an emergency as I see it. Every day that these buildings sit vacant and underutilized is a day that they deteriorate. My staff is here. They do an amazing job in taking care of these buildings. But every day that these sit, it's a lost opportunity. So that is the urgency that I see and why this is a critical time to be at the land bank and to do this work. And we don't even own all the vacant land in the city or the county. And we do have partners in the city of Chicago. I'll talk more about that later. So how does the land bank work to address these issues? Land banks are a fairly recent phenomenon where it is a vehicle used nationally under local governments to reposition vacant and underutilized land that is overwhelmed with legacy taxes and liens. So the power of the land bank is we are able to spend the time and resources to take these properties, reposition them, and clean the title so that they can then be put back on the tax rolls and positioned for a higher and better use. The Cook County Land Bank is the largest in the county by geography, and we target properties through foreclosure, through donations, deed in lieu, which actually happens quite often. And recently, as Commissioner Gaynor mentioned, no cash bids at the Cook County scavenger sale. And these properties often haven't paid taxes for an average of six years before they hit the scavenger sale. So just think about that. If a building hasn't paid taxes and has been vacant for six years before it hits the scavenger sale, what does that look like? What has that done to the neighborhood around it? So part of what we're working on is how we tighten up those time frames. How do we get to these buildings before they end up in that shape? So you can see our mission, and this is right on our website, and this is in our authorizing ordinance. Where we, that, that is our sole purpose, is to reposition this land. And I'm happy to say that we do not take Occupy property nor partial properties. And you'll, I'm sure we'll get questions today. We always get questions. Why can't you take this property? Or why can't you, you know, take this business that isn't paying taxes? It's because we do still respect the folks that are using the properties and we look for other ways to address them through our municipal partners. So by state law, there's about 70 steps, and our attorney is here who does a human's work going through these steps um, that take from six months to three years to take one of these troubled properties from tax delinquency or in some type of state or foreclosure to actually obtain a deed and to clean the title. And as a municipal agency, we have the time to do this work, unlike the private market. So again, I think that's the service that we provide to our small developers, as well as to municipalities. And Bonita will speak more to this, of how um, small developers are able to use our resources. However, given the enormity of the problem, how do we scale up to meet the challenge of all of the vacant land and properties in Cook County? So we've developed a plan where we operate strategically along the following lines. 
So select key property in focus areas. And how do we determine our focus areas? It's really relying on our municipal and nonprofit partners. They have the plans. They have the community contacts. They also have incentives. And they also have money that is coming from the federal government, as we all know. What you see on the map before you, these are the focus areas that we've put together. And I want to note the Housing Authority of Cook County. We're working with them to hopefully expand their reach, as well as the other municipalities you see on screen. And then I also have a slide here of the city of Chicago specifically, and I want to highlight here um, Invest Southwest, the trails and greenways the city is planning, as well as the red line extension. So we want to, as our second path forward, is create land banking agreements that will work with each one of these entities to assemble land, not just to realize the big projects here, but also smaller projects I'll show later in the presentation. And then thirdly, empowering neighborhoods and local developers through a support network and creating a critical mass of work so there is less risk. Every developer likes that, right? Less risk. Well, our small developers are the same. And how do we, how do we uh, tamp down that risk? By being partners with them and working with them, not through just financial support and other methods, but also creating a critical mass of work like you see here with our other partners. So how we've done this and how we're able to focus on these areas is not just through our land banking agreements, but also strategic and how we take property. Commissioner Gaynor mentioned the scavenger sale. This happened about a month ago, and all the properties you see here were offered in the scavenger sale. What we did is we focused what we bid on in a no-cash bid in the scavenger sale to these focus areas. Again, with the thought that we want a just-in-time delivery, taking these properties through that three-year process, and then delivering it to an end user. So again, we eliminate the time, the backlog of these properties remaining mired in the judicial system. We're also focusing our efforts. So again, it can grow, it can grow outwards, right? We invest in a certain area. We publicize where we're working. The municipality publicizes where they're working. All of you developers, I want you to fill in those areas, those gaps. And we want to reserve certain parcels for our small developers. Again, Bonita will speak more to that as she come, when she is, comes up. And who are the partners we're working with? These are the folks we've already approached, and I fully expect in the next couple months that we will have individual land banking agreements for projects, as well as MOUs with these different entities to basically codify how we will be working with them in the future. We're also part of the Chicagoland Opportunity Zones Consortium, and that works largely in the south suburbs, but through any opportunity zone here in Cook County. And we are also working in industrial land with our environmental partners at Cook County as well. So what will we be doing as part of these land banking agreements? We will work to acquire properties on behalf of those agencies and organizations and hold the property until it is ready to redevelop. 
In the meantime, we will make properties around these municipal projects available for private development, and we will also maintain those properties and also care for those vacant lots. And I know that that is a huge concern of neighborhood groups, made the local elected officials here today. And to support these efforts, the land banking agreement in turn will pay for those efforts, and that will be a nominal administrative cost. But these neighborhoods will also have someone to turn to if there is a problem lot or a building in the area. An example of this, which we're just starting to see um, develop, is the affordable housing ordinance in Woodlawn. And I have to give um, Samir Mayakar, sitting at the front table here, a lot of the credit for actually getting that ordinance done with the community as well as Housing Commissioner Marisa Navarra. So that ordinance uses city land to create affordable housing, but the land bank has land there as well. So between the Obama Library, private development, and the housing ordinance, hopefully we'll fill in that neighborhood with the different layers of economic activity that it needs to be a more vibrant city neighborhood. So what you see on screen is the Washington Park Bank Building. This is also in Woodlawn. And the land bank also operates in the commercial realm. This bank building was taken in the scavenger sale many years ago, and it's located 63rd in Cottage Grove. This is the first preservation battle we had when I started at the land bank, where it was slated for demolition and redevelopment. But through discussions with DL3, Leon Walker, he has agreed to rehabilitate the building, save some of the building, and create an incubator office space for the neighborhood residents. Now, it's not a coincidence that this project took about five years to come to fruition. Think of all the pieces that need to be in place. Along 63rd Street, the city has supported affordable housing with POA, Leon has also developed um, a health center there. There's a new jewel that went up around the corner, and the CTA is investing in this station, not to mention the Obama Library, which is a mile away. This is deliberate planning and growth to bring these neighborhoods back online and to build on the strengths of what's already there. And we're going to keep it going. This is in Best Southwest. Um, you saw some of the images on the planning slide of where the Lifewood administration has focused different areas. You need to start somewhere. And this is actually along Chicago Avenue. This is the Laramie State Bank building, a Chicago landmark, coincidentally. And... Um, Maurice Cox, the commissioner of planning, saw the value in this building and the value it had for the neighborhood. So in order to support the rehabilitation of this building, develop the rest of the block around it, create affordable housing that can support the reuse of this historic building. And this is an RFP that the Department of Planning and Development put forward and the result how the land bank is participating. We're helping them to obtain the parcels of land that are near the Laramie State Bank building. And I see more of these type of partnerships moving ahead. And then finally in South Chicago, another project that the Claritians um, were able to win this RFP. And this is also an affordable housing project where we're helping to assemble land for the city project. 
So we also work in open space. In Bronzeville and Englewood, the land bank owns property that will support elevated trails in these neighborhoods. And we are partnering with the local community groups, Rails to Trails, and the city of Chicago on those efforts. And again, that was recently announced in a city trail um, announcement from last week. And we're thrilled to also work with Alderman King and Coleman on these unique properties. And then a nod to the work of um, of our previous director and staff. This is a 42-unit affordable housing project, which was redeveloped in Englewood. So the land bank doesn't shy away from bigger buildings and bigger projects. And in fact, we see these often as a key to redevelopment of turning around a neighborhood of what was a black hole of blight and even worse, crime. Um, it's necessary to turn it around to stabilize the rest of the area. So our focus areas that you saw on screen were most mainly based on city planning, but our focus areas can also be cultural or in progress. So we are exploring a land bank partnership with Tunika Johnson in Englewood, and where she is exposing the history of land contracts, their impact, and how the community is now going to look to the future. It's not a coincidence that a lot of these properties have suffered through the land contract process are now owned by the land bank. So we have to change that. We need to change that narrative. It needs to stop now. I'd also like to recognize Mayor Clark of Harvey and Nick Greifer, who is the Director of Development. They have undertaken a new campaign to redevelop Harvey, and they are working through the Southland Development Authority to realize some of those plans. We, in turn, are supporting the Southland Development Authority in assembling land for those projects. So all of these larger projects are also catalysts that support over 500 local developers throughout Cook County, many from the south and west sides of the city, and many are women and traditionally male-dominated field to be instruments of change in their communities. It is hard to overstate the kind of turnarounds they make possible, sometimes stripping structures down to the bones before rebuilding them into modern homes that really do sell competitively and quickly. They also bring jobs to the community, frequently employing those who might have a hard time finding work elsewhere, like returning citizens. We've seen local developers get even more creative, creative with the opportunity the land bank provides, including buying up multiple parcels on a single block, and we have Sean Harden here with us today, to maximize their effect as a micro-community, and we hope to see more of that happen as well. So I'm teeing this up to welcome Bonita up to the podium. I'm so excited to, for you to hear. Hello, and thank you, Commissioner Gaynor, Director Gorski, and the City Club. It's a pleasure to be here and speak before you. I am Benita Harrison, the CEO of Sunshine Management. It's been a tremendous experience partnering with the Land Bank. CCOBA has done so much for the growth of my business and the businesses of other developers. Prior to the Land Bank, developers of color had many barriers for entry, preventing us from acquiring dilapidated properties that existed in our own neighborhoods and set vacant for 10 to 20 years, sometimes even on our own block. 
Partnering with the Land Bank has given black and brown developers an opportunity to compete in BIPOC communities. The South and West Sides of Chicago have a huge demand for housing and businesses. Where most communities have reached their peak, BIPOC communities have so much room for growth. This is an opportunity for large-scale developers to partner with community developers like myself. We understand the market, we have boots on the ground, and we know the needs of our people. CCOBA gave the opportunity for me to bring in first-time developers. As I state your name, please stand. These people are very close and dear to my heart. My brother, Jovan Harrison. He is currently rehabbing his first development in the Westwood Lawn community. My sister, Keisha Harrison. <laughs> she is working on her second development in a greater Grand Crossing community. And I am honored to say my daughter, Kenya Hunter, who is currently 25 years old, and she's rehabbing her first six-unit Massa family property in Inglewood. This shows how community grows together, developing the next generation. We assist by helping them obtain identification, bank accounts, building blocks of financial stability, create businesses, therefore generating income for their families. Even our tradesman, Arturo Concha, please stand. We assisted him in obtaining his first land bank development in the Chicago line community, and we have helped him across the finish line. So this is my dentist, Dr. Agbana Bowden. <laughs> He's completed his first land bank development in the Westwood line community. We've also helped Damon Lambert in the Avalon community. He bought an entire block on Stony Island. Lenore Sherman, who's bought a vacant lot, is doing new construction in Westwood Line. <laughs> this type of investment into a community yields exponential benefits. Prior to the land bank, I felt like an island. I learned as I went. The land bank created a space for local developers to network and championed us growing a team. My team. Dewan Robinson. Keith Lindsay. Sean Jones, Walker. We share our experiences, best practices, our tradesmen, and resources. As a team, we feel responsible for building equity in our community. Together, we have built over $100 million in black wealth, $1.5 million in annual tax revenue. I bought my first land bank property in November of 2016 at 3605 West 56th Place. Here we are six years later, 70 land bank properties. These land bank properties have generated over $20 million in generational wealth and $210,000 in annual tax revenue that will be used for resources in our community. This is the power of the land bank. We're five distinct individual black developers who work independently for years, collectively rehabbing over 600 units in communities such as Inglewood, Roseland, and Greater Grand Crossing. We have come together to buy back the block in the West Woodlawn community, a community that has experienced decades of disinvestment. We are developing 13 new construction, three units on the 6300 block of Evans. We break ground this May. We are hiring from within the community, the surveyor, the accountants, the tradesmen, the security staff. 
Our greatest impact happens here. We employ returning citizens, aging citizens, Section 8 recipients, summer hirees, and individuals who have never had an opportunity. But given the chance, they take great pride in helping develop their community. The land bank has been the easiest agency to work with. There's no bidding wars. You apply online. There's no reliance on being properly networked. CCO Bay is mission-based. Let's collectively work together to eliminate the blight in our community. Most importantly, it's preference to work with local developers. This is where I believe their greatest impact has been. This allows young people from the community to see people who look like them doing big jobs so that they can dream. They can dream to become that person they receive, that they resemble. Our current plight as developers reaches well beyond the land bank's capacity. I address this room with those issues. Number one, the cost of money and access to capital. Number two, the rise of material costs. A two-by-four went from $2 to $10 in less than a year. Appraisals consistently devalue in our community, which is a new form of redlining. As local developers, we're in a chokehold with these issues pressing against us. There needs to be creation of government subsidies and policy to combat these issues. The land bank has prepared the developers here in this room for large-scale development. We are ready and able to grow our capacity. I'm in great hopes that collectively we can create strategic partnerships with us, local developers, larger developers, and government agencies that will bridge the equity gaps within our community. If you are not partnering with the land bank, you're missing out. So I think you see who I take my orders from. <laughs> and did you guys get that list of things that we need to fix? Because that is now my agenda coming up, and I'm glad that we have a lot of decision makers and legislators in the rooms here. In the room here, what I wanted to hit on just in closing, um, Benita is so inspirational. All of our developers here, the work they've done, the change that they've done in these neighborhoods. How can we support them even more? As mentioned many times, there are countless structural and bureaucratic barriers that have made it almost impossible for these vacant parcels in disadvantaged neighborhoods to be redeveloped. So we will continue to improve our own process at the land bank, but also push for legislation that speeds the process of community development. One recent example, and I have to give kudos to all the city folks in the room for doing this, the city of Chicago, is a city ordinance that would allow the Department of Planning and Development and Housing to partner with the land bank on development projects. Seems very common sense, right? But you have two units of government with tremendous holdings that really never collaborate together. And I want to point out Bill Williams, um, a developer that works on the south and west sides. What you see is an image that he created of West Humboldt showing in red and blue the different land bank 
and city properties. Why can't these be combined together, sold as a package, and help our small developers scale up? Um, as I was joking to someone earlier, I'm always listening to these things. I'm listening to our developers and what they need to have done. I listened to Bill, as did the city, and this ordinance is now allowing us to do this type of work. And I want to thank all the aldermen here who supported it as well. And, and I do have to mention another historic building that we will be partnering with the city on the new Regal. Um, this is a building that we also were able to take in the scavenger sale. There's a lot to be worked through with this, but it is an example, again, of a partnership that can occur only by virtue of this ordinance. So not just vacant land, but also buildings will be enter into, able to enter in with the city on these projects. So in closing, getting the land bank up and running has been an amazing effort, right? You see, you hear from Commissioner Gaynor, who started this, the elected officials who supported her in this, as well as Bonita. She's grown with the land bank. And if you are a municipality or a developer who hasn't yet worked with the land bank, we want you to join us. This is an exciting time. We're going to be doing a lot. And if you want to talk to us about what we're doing in any of these focus areas, I'm happy to do that afterwards. And we welcome your questions. Thank you. We have a couple questions. Um, some are pretty similar, so we'll bundle them together and we can all figure out who's best to take them. Um, one really quick was, you know, a bunch of people asked, how do you do business with the land bank? And it's kind of, Benita, if you want to. Yeah, that's, um, how do you do business? It's pretty simple. You go online, it's, it's online process, as we spoke earlier. It's, you don't have to know anyone. You go online, you put in a bid. Well, actually, you just request to see the property online. And then you also, come, the second time you go in and you, submit your scope of work and t you tell them what you want to do with the property. There's no bidding more. They just look at your mission. If your mission aligns with theirs, you have to complete the property within a year. Okay, there was a couple questions on, um, we read about properties going back to the scavenger coming, you know, like a kind of revolving door properties coming and going from the scavenger sale. Um, what's that all about? And so, as we kind of alluded to earlier, the scavenger sale has these thousands and thousands of properties. They've mostly been in there, the average age is over a decade. Their vast majority of them are vacant, um, and many are in really poor repair. When we first started going to the scavenger sale, and many people here who had have been at the city know that that's been around for a long time. We just never really addressed it. Um, but it held a lot of the property that, that we were interested in redeveloping. And so when we went into the scavenger sale in 2015, they, you only got a paper printout 30 days before, um, of the 40,000 properties, but they were all organized by pin number. So it would be like if somebody handed you a phone book and it was organized by phone number and they said, find all the restaurants. And so you're having to like back yourself into it. And so we ended up taking a ton and then had to return some because as Eleanor said, if someone's living in a house, we don't take it. If someone, if it's part of a piece of property or you can't develop it, maybe there's a lien on it, we send that back. And a lot of that stuff went back. And so 
Then we went the next year, scooped up a, another whole bunch because these sales are only every other year. And if you don't try to grab the property, then you let it sit there for years and years and years and kind of, you know, make the rest of the neighborhood pay. And so this year, the, the list came out electronically. So we bid on far less because we knew exactly what we were bidding on. So that helped a lot. Um, the scavenger sale is, you know, as was alluded to, you know, in, in the city, we had redlining. You couldn't get mortgages if in certain neighborhoods. And then you had contract sales and contract buying, which is someone sold you a house. They didn't really. It was a lot when neighborhoods were turning over racially um, and people never ended up owning that house. And then now you have the scavenger sale and it's just one more legalized way to make homeownership in black neighborhoods harder and to make asset building harder. And so this is the last thing that needs to be unwound. And a lot of that work is going to be done in Springfield. Um, but, you know, we hope to partner with everyone here on that since that's new territory for all of us. And so we'll, we'll go from there. All right. And then, um, anything you wanted nope. to add, but yeah, I think, Oh, what neighborhoods are the land banks planning to focus on? And I think that was listed up there. But Elle, you wanna... Yeah. So, uh, the, the land bank focus areas, these will be on our website. They are right now, but also they include Roseland, South shore, Woodlawn, Englewood, uh, North Lawndale, humble park, um, Austin. I love to work in Little Village. There's no land there. The uh, mark is too hot. That's um, uh, and Pullman. Yes, I think that uh, Roseland. Um, that's a tremendous opportunity. We have a lot of land there, and we recently held a Roseland breakfast. And I see some of our developers here, um, where there is a lot of interest in working there between the medical district, Invest Southwest, and the CTA Red Line. Okay. Is that it? Thank you, Commissioner Eleanor and um, Bernita. That's right.